So law number three is the law of influence. And the law of influence says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Now, again, this sounds kind of counterintuitive at best, right? And, you know, kind of productive at best and maybe even Pollyanna at worst. And then you think about it, the greatest leaders, you know, the top influencers, the uh, consistently uh, highest producing money earning salespeople, this is simply how they run their lives and conduct their businesses. They're always looking for ways to place other people at the forefront to make their, now here's the thing. And I, and I think this is very important. Mm -hmm. When we say place other people's interests first, we don't mean that you should be anyone's doormat mm -hmm. or a martyr or self-sacrificial in any way. Absolutely not at all. It's simply understanding as Joe learned from several of the mentors in the story, the golden rule of business, of sales, what have you, is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you and others than by genuinely, right? Moving from an I focus or me focus to an other focus. Looking to, as Sam, one of the mentors in the story advised Joe, make your win all about the other person's win. Most of us never learned how to train our brains, which is why most of us needlessly settle, struggle, and worse, suffer. My name is Chris Doris, and I want to make brain training mainstream. This is my series, Tough Talks, Conversations on Mental Toughness. I'm interviewing badasses from all walks of life on what mental toughness means to them and their unique approaches to strengthening their minds. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Tough Talks, Conversations on Mental Toughness. I'm your host, Chris Doris. And before I get to today's guest, our housekeeping item is... As always, if you're not receiving my daily dose mental toughness tips in 30 seconds or less every single morning of the year at around 6 a.m. your local time, wherever you are in the world, then then we got we got we got to fix that, you know. And if you're not getting notifications of all my new um, uh, blog posts, which come out every Tuesday. And if you're not getting notifications of these new Tough Talks podcast episodes, we can fix all of that so effortlessly by going to ChristopherDoris.com backslash lists, L-I-S-T-S, name, email, click, bam, problem solved. You know what a podcaster looks like when he's like uber freaking pumped about his next guest? That. <laughs> yeah, baby. We got one of the authors of this world famous book translated into 30 languages. That's amazing. And I'll read you in his intro some other things, accolades about this. This is, this is unbelievable. Uh, we got Bob Berg. We got Bob Berg with us today. This guy's amazing. I've never met him, but I can't, you know, I, I know a lot of people who know him. And everyone says the same thing. He's just an angel of a human being. And, uh, and, and he's brilliant. And his wisdom is going to rock your world. Uh, it's rocked mine. Uh, initially, 10 years ago, when I read this book, and then I lost it. I gave it to somebody. I never got it back. And then I got, got it again, read the whole thing yesterday. I don't do that. <laughs> I did that. I read the whole book in an afternoon. Because, I mean, it's not the longest book in the world, but still, it's like riveting. I'm a slow reader. 
and I crushed it again. So he's going to take us through the five laws of stratospheric success. And I, I, and I cannot wait for this. Let me, let me read you his introduction. This is, this, is, this is so good. All right. So for over 30 years, Bob Berg has been successfully showing entrepreneurs, leaders, and sales professionals how to communicate their value and accelerate the referral business. Although for years he was best known for his sales classic, Endless Referrals, it's his business parable, The Go-Giver, co-authored with John David Mann, that has created a worldwide movement. While part of a four-book series, The Go-Giver itself has sold more than one million copies and been translated into 30 languages. It was rated number 10 on Inc. Magazine's list of the most motivational books ever written. <laughs> and it was on HubSpot's 20 most highly rated sales books of all time. <laughs> I, I'm not the least bit surprised by any of that. Bob is an advocate, supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. He's also an unapologetic animal fanatic and served on the board of directors of Fairy Friends Adoption and Clinic in his town of Jupiter, Florida. You're about to go on an amazing, beautiful ride. Bob's here. Let's go find him. Found him. There he is, Mr. Bob Berg. How are you, my friend? Chris, it's so great to be with you. Thank you. Uh, I really, really appreciate this. I've been looking very forward. You know, I got to tell you a couple stories before we get into this, okay, to create some context. So uh, first of all, I read this book, The Go-Giver, 10 years ago on a flight from Phoenix back home to Philly. And I'm a slow reader. That's about a four and a half hour flight. I think I got it done in three and a half hours. I could not peel my eyes wow. off of this book. And it's just so, I'm sure you get that a lot. Uh, it, it's just so beautiful. It's beautiful. Thank you know you. what, you're welcome. You know what this reminds me? You know what my experience is of reading this? Remembering, it's like, oh, oh, geez, yes. That's, that's like the normal way to live, through, <laughs> right? Through service and giving and love. And so it was like a, it was like a cleansing, right? That was 10 years ago. I took copious notes. I have a, had a folder, the Go-Giver folder, of my notes, gone. I know it happened, I know it happened. It happens a lot with my favorite books. I loan them to clients or friends and I must have loaned this and it never came back. <laughs> Thank God, because I got, so I got another copy, the newer version, right? With Ariana Huffington's intro and all that, or forward. And I, and I got my new notes. I got all my new notes. Wow, you're, you're amazing. And let me tell you something else. Now here's the, here's the real deal. I was about 20 pages in, Bob, yesterday. I read the whole thing yesterday, again, in a few hours. And uh, I, I couldn't stop. Same experience. 20 pages in, I had a thought. I wonder if he knows my former coach, Steve Hardison. So who is this guy? These are two of my former coaches, Steve Hardison and Steve Chandler, two of the best coaches, the best two oh. coaches on the planet Earth. Yeah. And I thought... I mean, you guys are like two peas in a pod, you and Steve Hardison. So I texted him and said, you must know Bob Berg, the author of The Go-Giver. And he wrote back, I'll talk, can I read you what he wrote? Sure. 
I have given hundreds of copies of his book away. I only know him through his influence in my life from consuming and applying many of his principles. Loving you both, be blessed. Steve, tag me in the link when you post it. Uh, Can't wait to hear. Love you guys. Well, I'm certainly familiar with both Steves. Uh, you are. Yeah, yeah. It's, in fact, Steve Chandler, what was the book of his I read that was really great? He's got about 50 of them. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I think I read two of them, and, I, and I'm trying to think of the titles, but they Maybe were this fantastic. one. Here's one of them. Uh, this, is one, this is one of my favorites of his, Crazy Good. Okay, that one I have not. I don't know. But you know, my favorite, one of my favorite quotes from Steve Chandler is, your bank account is a direct reflection of your level of service. Mm, exactly. Right? You know, couldn't, couldn't be said any better. Right, right. So uh, I, I have a question for you that people won't get if they haven't read the book yet. <clears throat> but people who have might appreciate this. Bob, are you Joe and Pindar? So I think all of us have been Joe at one time or another. Joe or Josephine, the, the person who had potential they were kind of out after it. They were working hard. They were, you know, paying their dues, but their focus just wasn't quite in the right place, right? And and hopefully in their lives, someone came along and they, they ended up kind of getting it that they needed to make that adjustment. And they went from Joe or Josephine into learning and growing and so forth. Uh, I didn't see myself as Pindar. Pindar. I think I'm more like Gus in the story. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, and okay. Um, yeah. and you know, kind of the guy who put people together and was you know, um, and an encourager and and, and so forth. We we modeled uh, Pindar, John David Mann, and, I, and by the way, you know, the, the 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 book reading as it did, that's John. I mean, he was the lead writer. And, and main storyteller. And I mean, so everyone a, knows you talk about the co-author, John David Mann. He's a wonderful, yeah, he, he is just, I mean, I'm a how-to guy. I'm step one, step two, step three, right? Uh, in other words, I'm boring. John is a fantastic storyteller. So, um, so we modeled Pindar after a guy named Bob Proctor out of oh, Toronto, of Ontario. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, we would say based on him. So he wasn't Bob, but based on Bob, the, the guy who very, very, wow. um, you know, Bob's just such a great guy. He's always willing to help. He lives in a total abundance mindset. Yeah. He has, he's, you know, tall with the gray hair and the gravelly voice and the storyteller, you know, so <laughs> it makes perfect so, sense now. Yeah. So we picture, we pictured Bob as we yeah. were Bob Proctor, as we were writing uh, Pindar. Do you know Bob? Yeah, okay. yeah. That must be very flattering to him. Yeah. Well, cool. you know, I mean, I just I I've learned so much from him, and I just think he's a fantastic guy. Yeah. So so uh, to, to continue to tee it up for for the audience, in one word, what is the secret to success? Well, we say giving in the story. I, I think really it it needs a, a tiny bit more of an explanation for. In, in that when we say giving in this case, so so you know, we would say, what's the what's the premise of the go-giver, right? It, it, it's that shifting your focus, just like Joe had to learn how to do, and just like I had to learn how to do back in the day, that shifting your focus from getting to giving. Now, when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others 
mm. understanding that doing so is not only a, a more pleasant way of conducting business, it's also the most financially profitable. But Chris, not, not for some way out there, woo-woo, magical, mystical type of reasons. It actually makes very rational sense. When you're that person who can take your focus off of yourself and place it on helping others, discovering what they want, what they need, what they desire. When you can take your focus off yourself and place it on helping people solve and overcome their challenges, their problems. When you can take your focus off yourself and place it on helping bring others closer to happiness, okay? Mm -hmm. People feel good about you. They, they wanna get to know you. They like you, they trust you. They want to be in relationship with you. They wanna do business with you if appropriate and they want to tell others about you and be your personal walking ambassadors. <laughs> Whoo, baby, man, I'm gonna go running right now. <laughs> so I got to tell you before I forget yeah. that I read uh, religiously those 30 second bites you, you uh, uh, put out um, every morning. Uh, Daily Dose? Yeah, oh, I love those. Uh, in fact, Woo! I have one scheduled to go in my, I, I do post daily on, on LinkedIn and I have one of yours scheduled to go. And of course, with proper credit, with a link back to your, your website. Uh, so man. But I got to tell you, because, you know, we all get so many emails and so many different things. So I'm not able to read everything every day as I'd like, but yours gets read religiously. It, it's really that good. Those I are have powerful. goosebumps, man. Thank you. That, oh, you know, my pleasure. That, that thank thank my you. Favorite. I enjoy those every morning. Thank you. Well, that you just made my day. That is my uh, favorite project in, of my life. Uh -huh. and, and seriously, you just made my day. That's going oh, straight. Well, I have a success folder on my uh, on the corner, sacred corner of my desk, and that 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 feedback right there is going straight in there as soon as we're done. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, you know what? Um, I was inspired yesterday. I was reading the book at my kitchen table. And I got up at one point and I went into my bathroom and got a dry erase marker and wrote on the mirror right in front of my face, prioritize their happiness. Prioritize their, any, like everyone's, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, um, because I, it's like, you know, I remember as a kid, I had a, we had a really big house. So when it was, and I'm from Philadelphia, so we had that little snow. So I was like, I was happy when we had a snow day, but then I was not happy because I was going to spend the whole damn thing shoveling snow. So, <laughs> so as soon as I was done shoveling our house, we had, I had an old, uh, an old uh, neighbor, a woman named Mrs. DiBartolo, who was old and frail. And I remember I would shovel her sidewalk as quietly as possible. So she wouldn't know. So she would just see it. That was like normal. That was like, and I'm really proud of that me, that kid of me. I lost mm -hmm. that girl, like as I aged, right? And that, and then I was conditioned to be the, instead of like, I was just a natural giver. And I lost that, you know, through conditioning to become the go-getter. Just, just try, get it, get it. And yet it was still part of you and, and you re-identified it at a certain point. Well, I'm re yes, and, I, and you're helping me totally re-identify it. And that's why I'm telling you the experience, seriously, is like of reading this book. I'm telling you right now, it's remembering who we are. And there was, uh, you know, so, so I can't remember who said it. it maybe it was, it was Arianna Huffington in the forward or, or, or maybe it was in the introduction, but um, it's, this isn't a way of acting. It's a way of being. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of who you are. And because it's who you are, it's what you do. Oh, right. Perfect. Yeah, I think like, that's well, really right. like, of course, I, that's what I do because that's who I am. That's who you are. Right. Exactly. 
Okay, can you take us through in the way that only you can the five, uh, and I love you go, the five laws of stratus. I love that. Stratospheric, baby. <laughs> well, I might as well that. think big. I mean, you know. I, well, hell yeah, man. I love that because I use that term too. When I say, when people say, what do you do? I'm like, I have different answers. Sometimes I say, you know, I'm a success coach and I define success as having your life in your terms. And I help, I help, I take people from doing amazing to stratospheric. So I love ah, that. I love it. No, I use it all the time. <laughs> so I love that you use it too. The five laws of stratospheric success. Can you take us through them and yeah. Like so that? the yeah, the five laws themselves are the laws of value, compensation, influence, authenticity and receptivity. The law of value says your true worth in the business sense, of course, not not in the human sense. We're all you know, everybody's has right. great worth. But your true worth in the business sense is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Now, when first hearing this, it's a bit counterintuitive because it, you know, it sounds kind of like a. You know, give more in value than I take in payment sounds all nicey nice and everything, but it also sounds like a recipe for bankruptcy, right? Give more in value right. than I take in payment. So we have to understand the difference between price and value. Uh, price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. It's finite. It is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings so much worth or value to another person oh, oh. that they will willingly exchange their money for it and be glad they did while you also make a healthy profit. So it, it, a quick example that I like yeah. to use Great. is the accountant you hire to do your taxes and she charges you a thousand dollars. That's, that's her, her fee or her, literally her price, a thousand dollars, but what value does she give you an exchange that makes it so worthwhile for you? Well, um, she saves you $5,000 in taxes. She saves you countless hours of time. And she provides you and your family with the peace of mind and the security of knowing it was done correctly, right? Whoa, whoa. So, so what she did is she gave you well over $5,000, well over $5,000 in value in exchange for a $1,000 price. So, so you feel great about it. And she made a very healthy profit. In fact, in any free market basic, and I remember learning this from one of my great heroes, Harry Brown, he said in any free market based exchange, and when we say free market, we simply mean no one is forced to do business with anyone else. Okay. In any free market based exchange, there should always be two profits, the buyer profits and the seller profits, because each of them come away better off afterwards than they were before. Mm -hmm. So while that's the law of value, it's important to understand why it works as it does. It's, see, the accountant has your, you as a customer, you as a client, and, and you feel as you do about her, not because she was focused on her fee, okay? She was focused, focused on the immense value she was providing you. This is why we see that, say, we say that money is simply an echo of value. Money is an oh, I love that. Value. I love it's that. The, wow, that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. It's the uh, thunder, if you will, to, mm. to values like, well, that's, that's John David Mann's, you know, poetry in action. So <laughs> I, I could never think of something like that, but, but the, uh, and so, so the key is that the focus must be on the other person, as you said, making that other person happy as mm. they 
understand happiness. Remember, value is always in the eyes of the beholder. It's not what we believe is of value or what we think they should think is of value. It's what they do. So when you focus on the value, the money you receive is just a natural result of the value you've provided. That's really law number one. Well, can, I, can I share something with you as you're speaking that I'm feeling? <clears throat> and I can't wait to hear what, how you respond to this. I'm feeling like approaching life that way is actually way easier in a way exactly. because mm -hmm. it involves no paranoia, no fear and anxiety of, am I going to be okay? Am I being successful? And it's like a relief of like all this extra effort. And then like the effort that I put into prioritizing other people's happiness doesn't really feel effortful. Like, like, like I remember like shoveling Mrs. D. Bartolo's sidewalk and it didn't feel like any effort, even though I just spent three hours shoveling my own. Right. Because it was congruent with your values of bringing joy to her life, of making her life easier and better, knowing that you are helping another human being that's congruent with your values. I believe that happiness, which, you know, the dictionary definition of happiness is the mental feeling of well-being. Okay. And, I, and that's a great definition. It, it totally works. I have one that's a kind of deeper, just a little bit. I define happiness as in, as a genuine an ongoing feeling of joy and peace of mind, the result of living congruently with one's values. Ooh. So when we're living and acting congruently with our values, we're happy. Uh, when we're not, it's we're not happy, right? And so, yeah. Right on, okay, let's go to law number two. So law number two is the law of compensation. And this says your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. Uh, so where law number one says to give more in value than you take in payment, law number two tells us that the more people whose lives you touch with the exceptional value you provide, the more money with which you'll be rewarded. Um, your accountant in the first example did a great job of giving you more in value than she took in payment. And you so you feel great about her. You do business with her again and you would most likely refer her to many others. Well, her other clients feel the same way. So our accountant is very quickly amassing what we call that army of personal walking ambassadors. And as she continues to add that kind of exceptional value to the lives of more and more people, her income will continue to grow and grow. In the story, um, Nicole Martin, the CEO, explained to Joe, the protege, that law number one, the law value represents your potential income. Mm -hmm, law mm -hmm. number two represents your actual income because it's all about the lives you impact, as Steve said earlier when you were quoting him, right? And so, and so that's really you know what it comes down to. So we could say that exceptional value plus significant reach equals very high compensation mm, beautiful <laughs> okay and now, law number yeah. three mm -hmm. is the law of influence chris i may have lost you uh we're, are you we, still there we are we had a little pause i think we're good can hello you, yeah can you hear me i'm here i'm here can you hear me Okay, yeah, I got yeah. you back. Lost okay. you for about 10 seconds. My apologies. Right. Well, we're just giving, you know what? That's the universe giving the listeners a second to integrate all this unbelievable gold wisdom. <laughs> Thank you.
<laughs> so law number three is the law of influence. And the law of influence says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Now, again, this sounds kind of counterintuitive at best, right? And, you know, kind of productive at best and maybe even Pollyanna at worst. And then you think about it, the greatest leaders, you know, the top influencers, the uh, consistently uh, highest producing money earning salespeople. This is simply how they run their lives and conduct their businesses. They're always looking for ways to place other people at the forefront to make their now here's the thing. And I, and I think this is very important. Mm -hmm. When we say place other people's interests first, we don't mean that you should be anyone's doormat mm -hmm. or a martyr or self-sacrificial in any way. Absolutely not at all. It's simply understanding as Joe learned from several of the mentors in the story, the golden rule of business, of sales, what have you, is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you and others than by genuinely, right? Moving from an I focus or me focus to an other focus. Looking to, as Sam, one of the mentors in the story advised Joe, make your win all about the other person's win. You know, there was the phrase that stood out. You have to remind me who it was that articulated it, uh, which character in the story, but the advice was golden. And I captured it. Stop keeping score. Yeah, that was Sam. Stop keeping score. Oh, that was you. <laughs> no, uh, I thought you're Gus. Yeah, Gus. But but although, hey, Sam, I'll I'll take that one. Yeah. <laughs> but that's big. Can you say anything about the stop keeping score? Yeah. Well, you know, because it's now it's human nature in a sense to keep score, <laughs> right? Okay. So when we can kind of put that aside, so, you know, people say, well, what about self-interest? People have some, yeah, well, people, it's how people are built. It, it kind of our ancestors back in the cave person days that that self-interest helped produce the next generation and all that. Right. And, and right. that gets hardwired as they say into the DNA. Mm -hmm. We're not asking anyone to deny their self-interest, okay? What we're suggesting is to suspend, willingly suspend your self-interest. Put your self-interest to the side, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. So that you can absolutely, positively focus on bringing value to others. Now, why? What practical reason is there for that? Well, you know, when I speak at sales conferences, <laughs> I'll, often, I'll often start with the following sentence. Nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. <laughs> and we all laugh because we're all salespeople right, and we know right. this is true, right? Right. 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 <laughs> right. They're not going to buy from you because you have a quota. They're not going to buy from you because you uh, need the money. And they're not going to buy from you because you're just because you're a nice person. Yeah. They're going to buy from you because they believe they will be better off by doing so. Mm -hmm. And by not doing so. Mm -hmm. And I can't think of any other legitimate reason why they should buy from you right. or from me or from anyone else. Right. So doesn't it make logical, rational sense that to the degree we take our focus off our needs mm -hmm. and we place the other person's interests first, that's the degree they're going to feel as though they want to buy. Isn't that fascinating? So when you spell it out like that, it's like, yeah, duh. Do we, like, we we're interested in being amazing. That's the most obviously successful approach. 
How does it ever, we don't need to get too philosophical about it, but maybe you have a, a formulated opinion on this. How did that get so messed up? How did we get, how did we get so self-centered and so paranoid about our own like welfare? Well, because I think it is human nature. Okay. I think it is human nature. And, yeah. and, you know, people operate that way. And we know people are emotional beings. They're driven by emotion, driven by ego, driven by, you know, and um, it just kind of is the way it is. So I think yeah. that when we can go kind of contrary to that and, and look for the, the logical reasons for doing so, mm. you know, and, and so I think that's what people like yourself, yeah. the two Steves we were talking about and many other people that you and I know, yeah. uh, the messages we're trying to get across. You know, you're, yeah, it reminds me of Alan Watts, who's one of my favorite teachers. And he says, uh, we're playing the ultimate game of hide and seek. We hide ourselves so we can find ourselves. And you're reminding me of us. This is the, all of this. The five laws of stratosphere so is, is finding ourselves. Right? It's remembering who we are. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Okay. So where are we at? Number four? So, yeah. Law number four is the law of authenticity. And this says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. Um, in this part, Deborah Davenport, who was the, the mentor in this part of the story, she shared a very valuable lesson. Uh, she was she was speaking at a on, on stage and she shared this with her audience. And Joe was with Pindar in the in the audience watching. And what she said was this: all the skills in the world, the sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as they are, and indeed they are very important. They're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true authentic core. But when you do, when you show up as yourself day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel good about you. They feel comfortable with you. They feel safe mm -hmm. with you. Why wouldn't they? They know mm -hmm. who they're getting, right? Mm -hmm. Consistency uh, is very, very powerful. Um, and this is where really the relationship just, boom, it just really takes place. Mm. Now, you know, I, I think when people don't show up authentically, uh, it, it tends to be not because they have malintent. I mean, there's plenty of people in the world who do bad things. So we've got to be aware of that. But I, I don't, I'm telling 99.9% .9 of the time when someone doesn't show up authentic, uh, authentically, Chris, it's because they just don't have the self-confidence to do so they that, don't recognize their own value so so in the story what was her name davenport what was her first name yeah deborah deborah she tells that beautiful story i actually got choked up reading it uh which i thought was beautiful <clears throat> uh she tells a great story of how you know she's a real estate agent right and she's trying uh, a through z is great did you make all that that's some no, that, again again if it's brilliant it's right. john <laughs> okay well john if, <laughs> if it's mundane this, it's me <laughs> John, if you're watching this, way to go, man, because that's some impressive stuff right there. By oh, the way, John has a mystery thriller coming out with Brand with um, uh, Brandon Webb. Uh, they wrote, they Brandon Webb was a Navy SEAL, okay? Oh. I mean, just a real, and, and John and, and Brandon wrote like five leadership books together. Oh they God. finally wrote an action thriller. Look, I've got it right here. I just started okay. reading oh, nice. it. It's called Steel, Steel Fear. Fear. And Lee Child, who is the guy with the Jack Reacher stories okay he wrote sensationally good an instant classic maybe an instant legend so i'm about six seven chapters into it it's gripping i am telling okay. you all right they cool. outdid themselves I, okay so i'll put that in the in the show notes as well I'll put a link to that and i'll get it what was this oh the story yeah so so she so what happened in the story was 
that uh, Davenport, she she gave up, right? She stopped trying to use all the techniques right, that she right, learned, right. right? That she felt was going to get her sales. And she went out in this one last, yeah, right? And she just, she was with a client, a, a buyer, and she just stopped caring. She stopped giving a shit about any of these techniques. She's like, the hell with it. I give up. I'll just go hang out with this. This is my last one. I'm quitting because I suck. <laughs> and then and she just got real and they bought right and that, yeah. that's the beauty she lost her attachment right to she the, lost to her the... phony she lost her commitment yeah. to acting yeah and and she was just herself and she yeah. offered herself she realized she was the gift yeah and so often that is so again i, I don't want to in any way say we shouldn't learn our craft and, do it. and of course all right. that is right. is given but it means that when it when push comes to shove we show up as our as our ourselves mm. and mm. um yeah, yeah. Okay, and then finally, the law of receptivity number. Yeah, five. the law of receptivity says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving, mm. and you know this really, Chris, more than anything else, is simply saying, yeah, you breathe out, you've also got to breathe in. Mm -hmm. It's not one or the other. Breathe out carbon dioxide breathe in oxygen, oh, I love breathe that. in, breathe out, which is giving, breathe in, which is receiving. Giving and receiving, despite the messages of lack that we receive from the world around us all the time, uh -huh. giving and receiving are not opposite concepts. Giving and receiving are simply two sides of the very same coin and they work together in tandem. No, the key yeah. Is that the giving comes first and this is just universal law right we 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 plant before we harvest we sow before we reap we give before we receive but when we do this and the receiving comes to what we do with all the giving and the touching lives and the creating influence and being authentic we create what we call the benevolent context for success and as this prosperity comes to us we've got to be open mm. to receiving it <laughs> I love, love, that's beautiful. Uh, the benevolent, what is context. it? Context. Yeah, the benevolent context for success. For success, yeah. And in the book, the analogy of the of oxygen and CO2, yeah. right? And that the trees are need our- Exactly, right. They need our exhale. Yeah, feed each other, yeah. Yeah, yeah fantastic. You know, I, I, I thought about a million times through the book, where did this all come from, man? Like, what were the, what were, was there an event? Was it a series of events? Was it, you, you know, you and John's lives? Was there, what was the thinking behind the creation of this? Well, you know, both John and I had careers in sales and entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. uh, we both grew up in families where our parents set great examples. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that was a total advantage having that. Go. Mm -hmm. But I'll, I'll tell you what, in terms of the business sense for me, I think got this really going to the point that I, it became part of me. I'd been in sales for a couple of years and I'd been doing well because I studied and I learned and I and so forth. Okay. But I started with another company and we were selling a high end uh, product, you know, high ticket item. Mm -hmm. And I was in a slump. I was probably, I guess, 26 years old or so. And, and, and I was in the slump and I was having trouble getting out of the slump. And the more of a slump I was in, the more I was focused on myself and making the sale instead of the other person. So it was having just the opposite effect of what it should. I come back to the office one day and there's this guy there. He's an older guy 
I didn't know him very well. He wasn't even in the sales department. I think he was in the engineering department and, and, and he retired soon after. He was one of these guys who, we've all known people like this. He didn't say much, but whenever he did, it was always very profound. And I think he saw me as sort of like Joe, who you know I'd write about years and years later, but he saw For me sure. as that up and coming, young, ambitious, aggressive, but totally you know, messed up and you know, <laughs> not hit, right? And he said, Berg, he was a last name kind of guy. He, he said, Berg, can I give you some advice? And I said, yes, please do. I need it. And he said this, I'll never forget it. He said, Berg, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, he said, don't have making money as your target. Your target is serving others. Yeah. Now, when you hit the target, you'll get a reward. And that reward will come in the form of money. And you can do with that money whatever you choose. But never forget, the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It ain't the target itself. Your target I love is it. serving others. And here's the thing, yeah. Chris, here, here's what I took from that. Yeah. I, I don't know if I took it from the, on a, a, a intellectual level or if it just kind of got my heart. I really don't remember. Mm. But here's what I got from it. Great salesmanship is never about the salesperson. Great salesmanship is never about the product or service, as important as that is. It's not about that. Mm -hmm. Great salesmanship is about the other person. It's about touching the lives of people and bringing value to them. It's about another person's life being better mm. because you mm. are part of it. Mm. And I think when we approach sales, business, any kind of relationship from that premise, if you will, that foundation, I think we're really nine steps ahead of the game in a, in that 10 step game. It's like, you know, infinitely consistent with all of uh, research on human peak performance. <laughs> it's flow. It, it really is. It's flow, which is always like people, when they describe peak experiences, always use similar terminology to describe them. And part of it is effortless ease. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and as I listen to you, I, I just, I keep having the same, when I read this, as I listen to you, I have the same experience. It's like, yes, yes, yes. Let's have it be this easy. So like all the reward that so many of us miss out on because we're so inner focused in fear when we could be experiencing all this effortless ease and beauty of service. I love that. Man, so good. I love that. So I know you got to get going, but uh, there's a couple, can I, can I have a look? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. All right. So what, what do you find? that uh, people most frequently get wrong about the go-giver way, like the misunderstandings. Yeah, I think there are a couple of them, a couple main ones. Um, one is that, well, if you're a go-giver, you're somehow gonna get taken advantage of, mm -hmm. right? So again, re remember we were talking about earlier, there's nothing about being a go-giver that's congruent with being a martyr or, or self-sacrificial. Right. And what I suggest to people is if you find yourself being taken advantage of a lot, now I'm not talking about once or twice or three times, it's going to happen in everybody's life unless you just don't talk to anybody. I mean, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying if you find yourself in a pattern of being taken advantage of, it's not because you're a nice person. It's not because you're a giver. It's because you're doing things in a certain way that creates the environment for you to be taken advantage of. And, and if that's you, I suggest to people, congratulations for acknowledging it. 
because yeah. once you acknowledge it, you're in a position to do something about it. So now you've got to begin to look inward and you've got to ask, why is this happening? Why am I always a participant in that? Okay. Yeah. What is the, what is the emotional payoff? which sounds counterintuitive, but there is a payoff for it. And I, I don't know what it is because I don't know the person. Right, right, it right. Might right, be, right. You, it might be the looking for sympathy, being able to be a victim gives you an excuse for not being successful. Again, I'm not saying, I just, I don't know. Right. It might be you don't have the tools to be able to say no or decipher when something, I don't know, but it's something that needs to be worked on. Mm -hmm. uh, another, uh, I would say, um, you know, when, when, when they think about being a, uh, a go-giver is, well, a go-giver is just gives themselves away. Absolutely not. You know, as though you're not making a profit. Go-givers tend to make the biggest profits because remember, a go-giver doesn't sell on price. They sell on value. So a go-giver tends to be at the high end of the price uh, scale. And they tend to be very, very focused on providing an immensely value-based experience. So they're actually more profitable. Okay. Right. So, so again, I, I think we, what we always need to remember is when we say go giver, we're simply talking about a person who understands the, uh, uh, why it's in everyone's best interest to take your focus off yourself and focus on bringing immense value to others. Thank you. Was there an actual city, like a real city that this was, uh, the story took place in? Nah, it was kind of like a, uh, probably a, a Midwestern mid-sized city type of thing. Yeah. I was trying to guess the whole time. Was... Yeah, no, it wasn't. It's not like in the, the Simpsons where it's like everything Springfield yeah, or, you know, where it's the, but yeah. Now here, here's, here's the, here's a big question. Okay. Is there a real Iafrates? Um, Kind of, but not really. Here's the thing. Uh, some good friends of mine owned an Italian restaurant when yeah. I was a, when I was a kid, uh, and their last name was, they pronounce it Iafrati, but oh, sorry but, about uh, that. No, 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 no. We pronounce it Iafrates oh. because it's the Italian, uh, um, pronunciation would be Iafrate. So no, we always pronounce it Iafrate whenever we're, we're talking, but they, <laughs> ang you know, anglicized it and called themselves Iafrati, but we call it Iafrates. <laughs> yeah. Okay, can you imagine they call themselves yeah, they, Iafrati, right, 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 right. <laughs> but they were, they're a wonderful family and their restaurant was, was fantastic. But no, we, we, we didn't, uh, we use that name for the restaurant, okay. uh, just in honor of my I, friends. Cause if but, there was, I'd go. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I, <laughs> I mean, I tried fly there next weekend. I know. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, my friend, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Not just for your time today, but for who you choose to be and the liberation that you bring to so many, who knows how many millions of people that you've touched. It, you, you're a beautiful human. And thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. And likewise, right back at you. And again, thanks. Thanks for those, uh, those morning nuggets of wisdom that you send uh, every morning. I, I really appreciate them so much. That's so beautiful. Uh, where, where should we send folks? Where, what do you want people to know about what you're up to now? Where, where do we want to direct them? So Berg, B-U-R-G.com is probably the best place because it has everything and they can scroll down and, and get a chapter one or an excerpt of any of the books to see if they like where it's headed. One thing I would suggest is that they look into and as they scroll down, they'll see a few people at a at a uh, coffee uh, at a cafe. It, it says Rachel's famous uh, coffee. Okay, so yeah. if you've read the book, you know what that is. If you don't know, it won't mean anything to you. Right. But click on that. That will take you to our uh, Go Giver Success Alliance uh, membership community. 
And this is a group of people that we all get together and we, uh, we strategize with each other, we collaborate with each other, we build powerful relationships with each other and the wisdom that goes back and forth through this group is immense. Wow. So I would, I would suggest people take a good look at that one. Okay, I'll make sure we, we include that in the show notes as well. Bob Berg, you're amazing. Uh, thank you, Chris, you are too. Thank you. That's right. That's right. Bob Berg, reading CDs, Daily Dose, every morning, get you some. What a guy. Huh? I love that dude. How do you not love that guy? I'm telling you right now, you know, if you haven't, if you haven't ever read this book, you have to, I don't care if you're in sales, if you're, if you're a human, okay, if you're a human being that's alive, which I'm assuming by virtue of you witnessing this somehow, hearing or watching, then read this book, please. If you haven't read it uh, in the last five years, if you haven't read it in the last one year, Read it again. This is staying on top of my desk. There's only a handful of books that are on my desk, and this is going right there. This is one of my my new Bibles. What a, what an amazing man! My goodness, and I can't I can't wait to go check out um, on his website the Success Alliance. So let's all go do that. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in. As always, uh, if you're not on the Daily Dose list, get on it. ChristopherDoris.com backslash lists, L-I-S-T-S, and get you some. Until next time, folks, create miracles.